Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. I'm very glad you're with me today on episode 26 of the Liberty Cafe. When I look around at Republicans, sometimes I just don't really know what to do with myself. You know, you think about how we had Republicans in charge of the Senate and the House and the White House for two years during the first two years of President Trump's term. And if you look at what they accomplished, there wasn't a whole lot of that. Even more so, you look at the last, what is it now, 17 years of Republicans being in charge of all Texas government the Texas Senate, the Texas House, the Texas legislature, the Texas Supreme Court, all the state agencies. I mean, we're all Republicans running the state, yet the accomplishments that have taken place are just not where they ought to be. And you have to ask yourself, why? Well, I ran across an article in Just the News the other day, and it was about the threatened veto by President Trump of the defense bill. You, you may have heard that he has said he's going to veto the defense bill unless they put a provision in there taking away the liability shield from all these high-tech companies, Facebook and Twitter, those types of things, who got this provision put into law under the guise, it seems like now, that they were going to be neutral providers of content. They weren't going to have anything to do with the content. They were just going to be platforms that that people could come use and put whatever information they wanted to on that. Well, we all know how that has turned out. You can't look at any tweet from President Trump today that doesn't come with warnings about how it hasn't been proven. And he's lucky because he's a president and they won't do anything to him. Although it seems like they might actually start taking steps to ban his account if he keeps up this kind of talk, if he leaves the White House in January. Don't get me wrong, I haven't given up yet. I still think there's there's some opportunities there. But nonetheless, Twitter, Facebook, and similar platforms certainly aren't neutral platforms anymore. They're publishers, just like the Washington Post and the New York Times and the Dallas Morning News. And none of those companies have these kind of liability shills, and neither should those. And so Mac Thornberry, who is the ranking Republican member on the House Armed Services Committee, just came out and said, yeah, he's not so sure about this uh, threatened veto and, and is quite sure that if the president actually does it, they can override it. So let's listen to what he has to say about this. So I'm feeling pretty good, um, and uh, I, I and I'll, I'll repeat. Other than a couple of senators running for president, which we all need to take with a grain of salt, uh, I don't know of anybody who's saying, "Yeah, this is the time and the way to deal with liability of social media companies." I just I, that's pretty hard case to make. A lot of people think something needs to be done, but there's dozens of proposals on what to do and uh i don't again i don't know much of anybody who says this is the right time and place 
So did you hear that? Congressman Thornberry says that he doesn't know of anybody who thinks that this is the right time and the right place to deal with this issue. I can't tell you how many times in my 30 plus years of working around politics, mostly in the Texas legislature, where I've heard Republicans say, now's not the time to deal with this. Now is not the place to deal with this. There's a better time and a better place. Unfortunately, most of the time when they say that, the right time and the right place never seems to come up. Let's go back to those first two years of the Trump presidency. What was the number one goal on most Republicans' mind? Well, the repeal of Obamacare. The U.S. House had voted numerous times to eliminate Obamacare, and so had the U.S. Senate. All they had to do was do the same thing they'd done before because they had a president in office who would sign it. But what did they do? They wouldn't pass the bill. Why not? Well, it wasn't time because they couldn't actually pass a repeal when the repeal would actually happen, they said, unless there was a replacement already passed. Well, none of them could agree on a replacement. And rather than pass the repeal, which would force them to come up with a replacement, they did nothing. And of course, they still haven't done anything. As a matter of fact, a lot of Republicans in Congress were horrified when the state of Texas fought a lawsuit against the United States of America seeking to overturn Obamacare through the courts. And they were successful at district courts. And then everybody went crazy, even a lot of Republicans, if I recall correctly, even Texas U.S. Senator John Cornyn wasn't too pleased with all that. So it's obvious that there's really no time to do something, not because now's not the right time, but because they really don't want to do these things. We can see the same thing in Texas. Again, as I pointed out, Republicans have been in charge of the Texas legislature and the Texas Supreme Court and the executive branch since 2003. What have they done? I think the biggest failure you can look at is the massive increase in spending since 2003. In that first session, after the Texas legislature was taken over by Republicans, again, the, the Senate already was Republican, but the House was taken over by Republicans in 2003, spending has increased from $124 billion per biennium to $248 billion. It's gone up 109%, more than doubled. Of course, a lot of us conservatives would have thought that government spending was too much back then, and there was no reason to increase it at all. But even if you think, well, maybe you should accommodate for some growth, like population growth plus inflation, that's only gone up 82% since 2003. Spending has outpaced population growth plus inflation. It's outpaced a lot of taxpayers' ability to pay their taxes. Republicans just won't shut it down. And that's true even for recent years. Let's look at, for instance, since 2015, when current Governor Greg Abbott and current Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick took office. They have increased spending in that short period of time, 2015 
2019, when they passed their last bill, by $50 billion. That's uh, about 3.4% each year during their tenure. Doesn't seem like a lot, but it's $50 billion. And it's also more than the annual increases in gross domestic product, 2.8%, inflation, 1.4%, population, 1.5%, and inflation and population growth combined. They just won't stop spending our money. Last session was even a great example of that. The change from what they appropriated in 2017 to what they appropriated in 2019 was 24%, or about 11.5% annually. They just keep going. Of course, it's not just spending that's a problem. It's really all areas of government where not a lot is getting accomplished. There are some wins, and we have to be grateful for that. There's been some pro-life wins, but there's also been a lot of problems. That really showed up during the 2017 legislative session. It looked like spending was going to be somewhat under control, but they really didn't accomplish a lot. And towards the end of the session, there were a lot of rumors going around that Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick might primary Greg Abbott and run for governor against him. So whether or not that's true, Governor Abbott came out with the most aggressive, the most conservative call for a special session that's ever been held in Texas. All the things that had been put forward during the regular session, a lot of which which were really high on Republicans and conservatives' agenda that didn't pass, none of them basically passed, Abbott put on this special call. And it was an impressive list of things. And I'm going to read most of the things that were on that special call because it's worth looking at. So there was administrative flexibility in teacher hiring and retention practices, meaning we could ought to be able to hire and fire teachers without the unions getting in the way. School finance reform commission, school choice for special needs students, property tax reform, caps on state and local spending, preventing cities from regulating what property owners do with trees on private land, preventing local governments from changing rules midway through construction projects, speeding up local government permitting processes, municipal annexation reform, prohibition of taxpayer dollars to collect union dues, prohibition of taxpayer funding for abortion providers, pro-life insurance reform, strengthening abortion reporting requirements when health complications arise, strengthening patient protections relating to do-not-resuscitate orders, cracking down on mail-in ballot fraud, All that was on there, along with something else that wasn't so great, a teacher pay increase of $1,000. And you know what came out of that special session? Almost none of that. All those things, that's a list of about 20 issues. The primary thing that came out of that was more education spending. So we had a special session and we got more education spending. The one good thing that came out of it was the municipal annexation reform, which eliminated the ability of larger cities in larger counties from annexing new areas without getting the approval of voters in the new area. That, that was a major reform, but other than that, we saw nothing. Well, have we seen much of that since then? No, we haven't, because we get that brings us to 2019. And what we saw again was more of the same thing, right? We, we should have been prepared for 2019 as conservatives, because we, we saw this massive agenda for conservatism in the 2017 special session, and all we got was more education spending. Well, 
after a close call for some folks in the 2018 elections, Democrats closed the margin on a lot of Republicans and, and beat quite a few of them. Their leadership got scared. And so they decided the best way to beat Democrats in the 2020 elections, which we just had, was to spend more money and particularly to spend more money on education. And that's what we got in 2019. Well, it turns out if you look at the 2020 election, it turns out the best way to keep Republicans in office is to do the kinds of things that President Trump was doing, fight against the insiders rather than become like them. But that being said, we left 2019 with not a lot to be thankful for as conservatives here in Texas. One of the very top priority bills in 2019 was prohibiting taxpayer-funded lobbying. I mean, what else could make more sense than telling local governments they can't take citizens' money and go hire high-powered Austin lobbyists who will then come up to Austin, or don't come up to Austin because they live here, come into the Capitol and lobby against taxpayer interest. It makes perfect sense if you live in a rational world, but unfortunately, it's not really a rational world inside the Texas Capitol bubble. And the Texas Senate passed a pretty good bill, not as good as the bill Senator Bob Hall introduced, but it was still a good bill, went over to Texas House, and it was gutted, first of all, and then it was killed. And that was that. And so you wonder, well, when's going to be the time for for some of these things? They've been trying to do this for years. When's going to be the time if it wasn't last time? Well, Senate State Affairs Committee just this past week had a hearing on taxpayer-funded lobbying, and they started talking about it. But already during that hearing, one of the senators, Senator Brian Birdwell out of Waco, already talked about compromising before the legislative session has even started. We're a month off or more at this point in time. He's already starting to talk about compromising. But I said, well, maybe we don't have to apply this bill to the small counties. We can just do it to the the big counties and the big cities. Well, that approach actually worked with the annexation reform, because in 2017, we did get a bill with that in it. And then in 2019, we were able to come back and abolish annexation without permission for all the state of Texas. So maybe that's the best way to go about it, maybe. But we really shouldn't be negotiating against ourselves before the legislature even has got going. So as Texas Republicans, we really ought to start asking ourselves, If now is not the time to pass some of these great reforms, when will it be? When will our elected officials start doing what we sent them up here to do? It it doesn't look like the Texas House is going to change and, and become a place where you can get conservative bills out. If Dade Phelan continues on and becomes Speaker, and it looks like that might be the case, he certainly is putting together a, a team that is not going to be championing a lot of conservative causes. If we get anything good through the Texas House in 2021, it's not going to be because we have conservative leadership over there. I was very pleased, however, this week when I saw that the state of Texas had filed a lawsuit against Georgia and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan, claiming that those states had violated the U.S. Constitution in changing their voting laws 
without the legislature actually changing the laws. It was the governor who did it, or a secretary of state, or in one case, at least a judge. But of course, the Constitution says it's the legislatures who get to decide what the voting law is about how to appoint electors. In these cases, in all four of those states, that didn't happen. And there's no disputing the facts. And so here we have at least one Republican, Ken Paxton, who is willing to step up and say, now is the time, now is the place. Even with the great stakes in place, because a lot of Republicans in Congress, you look around, oh, they all went nuts last week when Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats wanted to pass a law saying that marijuana shouldn't be an illegal substance, at least from the federal perspective. And all over Twitter, Republican members were jumping up and down about this. But very few of them are jumping up and down about the very flawed election we just had. But Ken Paxton is doing that. And he's saying, we need to look at it. So he doesn't have a problem with this. I think we're going to find out, well, maybe, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I'm just not so optimistic that we're going to find that there are five judges, justices on the U.S. Supreme Court who are going to say, this is the time and this is the place to deal with voter fraud. And not even voter fraud in one sense, although voter fraud, I think, is rampant in our country. I suspect it was rampant in this election and suspect that without voter fraud, Donald Trump would have won re-election. We can't prove this at that point. So it looks like the argument is going to come down to whether or not the U.S. Supreme Court is going to look at the facts on the table and the law on the table which is obvious to everybody, and it's very clear that these states violated the U.S. Constitution and the way they changed their laws to appoint electors. The question is, will the U.S. Supreme Court, at least five members on there, and I think that's the most we can count on because I doubt John Roberts would go there, will they say that now is the time and now is the place to ensure that our elections are held with integrity? I don't know if that's going to be the case. It'll be interesting. If they don't do it, I think we're in for a very long, hard time when it comes to protecting and promoting liberty. Because if you can't do it here after the election, when are you going to do it? If you recall, some people filed lawsuits about some of these problems before the election. And John Roberts voted with the liberals on the Supreme Court not to accept those lawsuits. So you can't challenge unconstitutional laws before an election, and you can't challenge unconstitutional laws and voter fraud after election. So it looks like, again, there's really no time and no place that the government and the courts are willing to take that on. So we we can all hope that 2022, though, might be a time, might not be the place the Supreme Court makes some changes, but maybe the elections in 2022 too, particularly here in Texas, may bring some new leadership into Texas among Texas Republicans, people who are willing to stand up and say, now is the time and now is the place to fight for liberty. Thanks once again for being with me here on episode 26 of the Liberty Cafe. And a special thanks to our sponsors, Texas Scorecard and Scorecard Media. Really appreciate being in partnership with them at texasscorecard.com.